Blog Talk Radio. With God's name, peace be upon you all. Good evening, and we welcome you to this uh, New Mind Development Project. Uh, this is uh, your host, John Nasheed, on this Blog Talk Radio program, broadcasting from Marichelle, New York, every Thursday at 7 p.m. And uh, once again, we welcome you uh, with us. And uh, as you know, if you have tuned in in the past, we are talking about the Holy Quran, giving some uh, you know basic insights on the Quran, you know, so we can have more of an appreciation and you know increase our knowledge, and we can impart that to people who don't know. And, you know, this is my efforts because I know we're broadcasting on this blog talk radio program. Uh, worldwide, uh, we're going to be talking about the Quran, and we're also going to continue with Surah Al-Fatiha, the seven oft-repeated verses of the Holy Quran. But before we do that, I'd like to just make an announcement here. Uh, my website is New Mind Development Project or nm-dp.com, and also we have a blog there. You can go on. There's a link. And I have a collection because my program is really on WVOX uh, radio program, which comes on Saturday, WVOX.com. I talk about Islamic and African-American concerns. And on my uh, blog, I have a collection of uh, cultural music from African-Americans from way back in 1800s from uh, slavery, blues music all the way up to hip-hop and the the more uh, I guess we could say up-to-date music that we're listening to now by many of our Muslim and spiritual artists that are recording right now. And it's a work in progress, but if you get a chance, go check it out. That's nm-dp.com or New Mind Development Project. And as I mentioned, I have a radio program that comes on every Saturday morning at 11, excuse me, at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And it's uh, focused on issues of concern. And that's WBOX.com. And that's worldwide. It's WBOX 1460 AM radio. And for those on computer and throughout the world, WBOX.com. And as I mentioned, I'm focused on issues of concern. We basically talk about African-American concerns and African-American development of Islam here in the United States of America. Very important because we don't have too many vehicles to express this, you know, our development here and circumstances with African-Americans because the state of America, as far as African-Americans, are concerned. And uh, if we don't have a voice, God doesn't bless us with a voice to speak for ourselves, then quite nicely, no one else is going to speak for us. And if they do speak for us, it won't be uh, the way that we desire for them to speak for us. But nonetheless, we prefer to speak for ourselves. So uh, I have a little booklet here, and it's called Introduction to the Quran, and it's by uh, Mal and uh, Mr. Maldudi, he was a 
revival. There's much, much information. I believe he's Pakistani. He's a Pakistani. And he was a reviver of the religion of Islam. And there's many, many Pakistani Muslims and uh, right here in this country also. And a lot of literature, Holy Quran, translations and things of that nature, uh, introduction to the Quran. Many, 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 many books uh, by Maldudi. M-A-W-D-U-D-I. And uh, this little booklet, it's a small booklet, very few pages, maybe 20, and it's called The Introduction to the Quran. If you get your hands on it, get it and hold it because it's very valuable. It gives a whole lot of insights, very brief, you know, kind of cover how the Holy Quran is constructed. And hopefully at some point in time, I'll take some notes from here also. So hopefully uh, during the course of our programs on Thursday evening, I possibly can get into some of that also, an introduction to the Quran. And uh, I remember that our leader here in the United States of America, Imam Wati Muhammad, former leader, but nonetheless he still leads by his work. Uh, he said that he had met him in pilgrimage in Hajj, Mecca, and uh, he had an opportunity to talk to him. And, uh, so uh, Allah has a as a way of doing things to bring people together. And, you know, we just don't understand, but nonetheless, whoever Allah wants to be together, he will bring them together for whatever reason. Uh, as I mentioned, the Holy Quran, I think, believe we left last week, uh, we're talking about the uh, Surah Al-Fatiha, and in this Surah Al-Fatiha, I believe we are talking where we left off with the Master of the Day of Judgment. Uh, Al-Fatiha with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, Master of the Day of Judgment, thee do we worship and thine aid we seek. Show us the straight way, the way of those upon whom thou hast bestowed thy grace, those whose portion is not wrath, as we go not astray. Amen. So we had gotten to the portion. And if you want to follow back on this, if you want to go back, these programs are archived, so you can go to number three. This is number four, the fourth part. You can go to number three or number two and just catch up. Go to number one, just make it that much easier and uh, kind of keep up with where we're at. So we're talking about the Maliki Omadim or the Master of the Day of Judgment. This is God. This is Allah. He is the master of the day of judgment. And Malik means king. And uh, this is a perception that God gives us uh, a concept here of a king. So we can formulate a perception of what God is. Not the kind of kings that we know in the world today, but nonetheless that God sits on a throne and his throne is above the heavens and the earth. See, we don't even have a perception for that. So don't wrestle with our mind and try to understand it. Malik also means master, the master who has uh, a master, a teacher, a schoolmaster, an instructor to the highest degree, karate master to the highest degree. In other words, he has mastered the art of self-defense or a particular study. The university's a professor or whatever the case. But God is the master 
of the universe, actually the highest degree. And, you know, when we're talking about God, he gives us a common language to give us a kind of idea of what he wants us to know, but we will never fully know what God truly is. God is a merciful master who nurtures his creation before before he passes judgment, nurtures it. And he gives us the opportunities to get you down. The earth will be your home and your place of trial for a time. In other words, when God put us on this earth, the intent was for us to hold the original nature that he created us in, Adam, the original nature. Hold that nature, you know. And uh, God put us through a trial, and put Satan here with us on this earth to test us, to bring us, Satan was working to bring us out of our nature, our original nature, and we have something within us to fight Satan off and maintain our nature. That's the test. That's the test for each and every one of us on earth. So when we pick up the newspapers and see people going completely crazy in the world that we live in it now, then we say Satan is winning. He's not winning. The, he hasn't won the battle because God gives us to a specific time, and that's the day of judgment. But nonetheless, he's doing a great job. And if we can manage to hold on to what God created, our origin, our nature, then quite naturally God will be pleased with us and we will be pleased. He is the master. And man's world means one who has power and control and authority over others, uh, his subjects. He's the master. Like we see many people in the world today, you know, they like to master human beings so they could be in control, have power and control. You know, that's that's a sign that Satan has intervened into that person's life because Satan, that's what he wants, power and control and authority over people's life. So when we see these things happening, then we should do all that we possibly can to get out from other people's control and put us in the control or under the control of the master. And when we're living in accord with our own nature, then we are under the control of God because God is the creator. He created his human nature. So if we're living under that, we are under God's power, God's control, and God's authority. It also means a master in education, a master in school, a headmaster of a school, etc., or one who has mastered a certain feat to the highest degree. And uh, this is man's world. And as we mentioned, for God, he is the master of the universe. God is the master, not a master, the master of all of the systems of knowledge he created. Praise be to God. Praise be to Allah. And we mentioned last week we were speaking uh, much of the language of Imam Mahdi Muhammad. <coughs> Imam Mahdi Muhammad, uh, you know, we don't like to use the term too much. Matter of fact, he don't like for us to use it, but he is also a reviver. Maybe that's why he put him in touch with, Allah put him in touch with Maldudi. Maldudi, he came up in the early uh, 1900s, early, and uh, he did his work, and much of the information was his 
language, interpretations, etc., was used here in this country and throughout the world. And now we have a, a reviver on the scene who has a, has a language, interpretation, things of that nature that's being used among African-American Muslims specifically right now, but spreading far and wide, have a great influence on uh, religion and also politics. And uh, he uses a term, system lord or master of all the systems of knowledge. And another interpretation was lord of all the worlds or master of all the worlds. He interpreted it to be master of all or lord of all the systems of knowledge. And we know that in knowledge contained in systems is easy to understand. You just can't give it all up. You know, the big universe broken down into systems, but it all belongs to one order. And this is the kind of mind that Imam Wadi Muhammad is bringing to the world. So we thank God for that. We thank God for him. God is the master of forgiveness and he is the master of judgment. Mercy is when God forgives you even though you may not have earned it. This is the mercy of God. So we always ask for mercy. Never look for judgment. Once we look for judgment, we finished. But God judges over us, but he also forgives us out of his mercy if he sees fit. Justice is when God revives reviews right and wrong. Justice is when God reviews right and wrong. Always seek the mercy of God. Allah. God is the merciful master of the day of judgment called Yom Din, the day of religion, the day or man's the day of man's uh, way of life. <coughs> the day when man will be called to account for themselves. The day of religion, the day of accountability. And uh, I had also heard Imam Wadi Muhammad mention that this is, uh, it gives some kind of reference to, to debt, to paying back a debt. Now remember that God put us here for a trial, and God's intent is always good. So <laughs> we have to pay for what we do wrong and quite naturally we're rewarded for what we do right because God is the best Noah. The end of the role of man, the day of man's judgment. You know, many times we hear people mention these things actually since a little boy. I've heard uh, people talking about the day of judgment in the streets, in the homes, in churches, or wherever you may be. Everybody knows about the day of judgment, but how many of, of, of us are living as if there's going to be a day of judgment? You know, so sometimes we hear things so much it doesn't take place. We just say, well, you know, this is just just uh, words or, you know, this is something that's being taught in church or some moral code of, moral lesson to keep you away from doing wrong, etc. But no, the judgment is real. And we have to understand that. Because if we don't believe in the day of judgment, then quite naturally we don't believe in God. Because God is the master of the day of judgment. God
is the master of man's way of life on earth. The only one qualified to judge right and wrong. Only God. So sometimes we say we get away with wrong so long. But right in your wrong is a burden. Right in your uh, gifts that you receive from wrong is your burden. You have to account for these things. You know, for every wrong that we do, do, it will be tied around our neck like an anchor, anchoring us down on the day of judgment. We might not feel it in the life while we're living it, but nonetheless, we all have to come to judgment. And this is by the design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it gets you down from here, everybody was in a more heavenly state of mind. But if it gets you down from here, all the earth will be your home and your place of trial for time. And anybody know when you're going for a trial, at the end of that trial is judgment. And we live here in America, and especially being an African-American, many of our people have experienced trials for crimes committed and crimes not committed. But nonetheless, at the end of that trial period, the judge in his black robe, he passes judgment. Rarely is there mercy judgment. And I think I mentioned last week that we have in America 200, about 2.5 million people incarcerated in prison. And half of those people are African-American, young men, African-American. So we have to acquire knowledge to teach our people especially our young people, just how to stay out of prison. We could just do that. Come back into your origin, your nature, and live your natural self as a natural human being. Yom Adin is the day as we know. It's not the day as we know it. You know, a typical 24-hour day, uh, the day when Gabriel blows the horn, Yomadin is a period of time in which man will be judged and sent to either heaven or hell. You know, somebody asked a question or made a statement, and they said that heaven they understood, but hell, when a person enters the hell, they, they burn forever. They stay there eternally. And when a person goes on to paradise, they it's eternal. There's no end to the time in paradise. So one situation is a good situation and the other a bad situation. I know Imam Wardi Muhammad taught us early on in his mission. He says that by the, by the very nature of God's attribute, uh, Rahman, he says that man will never spend eternity in hell. The hell which is described as fire or torment, misery, he said it's for purification. And once the soul is purified, then it moves on into the heavens, the different levels of heaven, which is eternal. And quite naturally, that makes sense to me because I don't believe that God is a hateful God that he created us to do wrong and gave us a choice between right and wrong. Some of us went astray. We took the wrong choice. Then God is so angry with us that he throws us into a fire to burn forever. 
of the destiny of man, God created. He created him to be a caliph, a ruler in the earth. He didn't create him to burn in hell. But if you fail the test, then quite naturally, there has to be some punishment because everybody has to be accountable for uh, his or her actions. And once their soul is purified, not in a fire, physical burning fire, Allah gives us that as a metaphor to understand the nature of the punishment, that the torment is just like a burning, burning fire. But once that individual's soul is purified, cleansed, then he moves on. In the Holy Quran, in Surah 14, chapter 14, it's called Mankind. I seek refuge with the Lord and cherish of mankind, the King or ruler of mankind, the God or judge of mankind, from the mischief of the whisperer of evil, who withdraws after his whisper, the same who whispers into the hearts of mankind, among jinn and among men. And uh, it's a very beautiful surah, and all Muslims are familiar with that, those who study and uh, it has some very deep insight. The more we study one surah or one verse or one line of information in the Quran complements another. In the Quran, you can't divide it. It all comes together. Quite naturally, we don't have the mind to bring it all together. But there are portions that we can bring. We can make connections. You know, we can follow that line of reasoning, that logic, and put these things together for the benefit of our knowledge. And uh, quite naturally, God knows best. On the day, Yom Adin, Allah is the master or king who sits on his throne, which extends over the heavens and the earth as a complete judge. Only Allah knows hidden details. You know, sometimes we go to, to judge man, where man judges, you know, and you say, hey, get ready to send me to prison. I'm, I'm going to tell some lies here and try to get out of this mess. You say, but God, you can't lie to God because God knows hidden details. Right? He knows everything complete. Allah is the lawyer, the prosecutor, and the judge. No one will escape the judgment of God except by his mercy. And this is why we continuously pray for the mercy of God. Every day we get up, we create or have or make some kind of sin. Don't think we're so holy, upright, and righteous because, you know, especially students of Scripture who keep themselves pure, purified in wudu and guzul, uh, who are charitable, who fast, and who go to pilgrimage, you know, sometimes we think we're so pure and so holy that, you know, we're just uh, above sin. Don't get caught up in that because we're human beings. We're not angels. You know, we strive for the highest excellence. But even in all of that, we are going to commit sin. And don't look for God you know, when we think we have reached that peak, that pinnacle of such purity that God should pass judgment on all of mankind. No, you better or we better start praying for God's mercy for 
our own selves to forgive us for the sins that we have committed. So say, I seek refuge with the Lord, the creator of mankind, the king. He is the king of mankind. He is the judge of mankind. From the mischief of the whisperer of evil who withdraws after his whisper, the same who whispers into the heart of mankind among men and jinn. So this is what we have to be on guard for, that subtle whisper. And he just doesn't whisper. He whispers into the heart. Whispering into the heart means that we don't even realize something is taking place here, that our hearts are being affected. And we seek refuge from God who's going to judge us. And we seek refuge from God from the whisperer of Satan who whispers right into the heart. And, uh, you know, these are just some thoughts that hopefully we can use somewhere in our life or in our studies and our struggle in life to maintain the balance that is necessary and essential to stay on the straight path. I think we talked about it earlier, or did we? I don't know. No, I think we're going to talk about it soon. It's uh, the straight path. Show me the straight path. And this path is called Salatul Mustaqim. And the only way that we can stay on that straight path is that we have to have balance. And it's the balance that keeps us on the path. Show us the straight path. And uh, I hear Christians, I've heard Christians say, the straight and narrow. Stay on the straight and narrow. And uh, we say the same thing. Show me the straight path. Or guide me on the straight way or the straight path. And that straight path is your nature. As long as you're in your nature, then quite naturally, you can stay in balance. And the balance is to coordinate the mind when the mind is coordinated with the heart. When the heart is coordinated with the mind, then there is the balance. So we want to stay in balance as human beings. We don't want to be out of balance and end up in some kind of mental institution. We want to stay in balance. God knows best. You alone do we worship, and you and your aid we seek. You alone do we worship, and your aid do we seek. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka na'sta'in. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka na'sta'in. That's the Al-Fatiha, the Arabic and I'm not an Arabic speaker, you know, some portions of the Quran I, I learned by heart over time. As I mentioned, the Al-Fatiha is the oft-repeated verses. You know, we learn it in English and we learn it in Arabic. And uh, we say it so much to, you know, we, we catch we catch the, uh, the uh, translation. But we also have to look at what it means in the Arabic. And we study it. And, uh, in English translation, it means you alone do we worship and your aid we seek. In Arabic, quite naturally, it means much more than that because the Arabic word is more expressive than English words. It has so much meaning. 
it just goes on and on and on. You know, Iyaka Na'abudu is Ibada. Ibada is worship or devotion. You know, you you alone do we worship. Ibada. And worship is not only in the prayer or the salat that we make. Worship is comes in many different forms. You know, anything that we do really for God's sake and God's sake alone is worship. You know, whatever God commands is charity. We give charity. Giving charity is worship. Loving and respecting your brothers and sisters also is worship. We're worshiping God. Why? Because we do it for God's pleasure. I love you for the sake of God. That's worship. And then, and your help or assistance do we seek. And we worship God, and in our worship, we're seeking his help or his assistance or his aid. You know, sometimes we don't do these things until we're so burdened down with our lives. Then we want, we're seeking God's help, we're seeking his aid, we're seeking his assistance. So that doesn't trouble God. It doesn't trouble you, it doesn't trouble God. Whenever your knees bend or whenever your back bends or whenever your neck bends, for God's sake, I say, alhamdulillah. And if it takes you to that, if it brings you to that, then that is the mercy of God. For a person's life is always destroyed, and then he bows, and then he calls out to God for aid. But just imagine the believer or the human being who does that often. You alone do we worship, and your aid we seek. I mean, if we just said that alone, never mind the whole, not never mind, but just said this alone. So, number five, this will keep us conscious. You alone do we worship. You know, what am I doing this for? For God's sake, I'm not doing it to uh, be accepted by man or for some worldly benefits, etc. I'm doing it for you alone, my worship, my good actions, my good deeds is for God. And your aid we seek. I'm not doing what I'm doing just looking for a payback, but you're seeking the aid of God through your good deeds and your good actions. Ibadah or worship is all pure acts for God's sake. See, we just can't do anything for God's sake. You can't go on the corner and sell drugs and say, well, if I got a little money, make a little money tonight, I'll, I'll give 20% to God. Now, nah, that don't buy in this long. You might as well just stay out on the street and don't give anything. You'd be probably be better off. Just all pure acts for the sake of God. And all actions are judged by intent. So God, the good of God, and the, and the evil of sin don't mix. It's just like oil and water doesn't mix. You can't live in a filthy world and pray to God. No, you have to clean up your world. 
And this is why we wash before us, a symbolic washing, washing, purifying itself to be in the presence of God. So that's not just in the house, it's in the world. So we have to be conscious of that act that's in the house when we go out into the world. So we want to stay in the right purity, tahara, or purification. Shalat is a ritual is a ritual act demonstrating man's natural form of worship in his natural life, his standing, his bowing, and his prostration. These are uh, actions uh, that we perform in Salat that we call prayer and our worship action, ritual. But these are also, it's demonstrating the natural form of worship in his natural life. Man goes out, he stands up as a erect human being with dignity and respect. And some circumstances come about, he, he bows in humility and in the presence of God. In other situations, he might have to put his head on the ground and uh, give reference to God as being far greater than himself. Because when a man wasn't created in a natural situation to put his head on the ground, only in the presence of God. That's called sejda. Salat is worship, not prayer. Dua is prayer. When we ask Allah for something like, show us the straight path. And this is dua. We ask Allah, show me the straight way. Show me the straight path. And uh, God knows best. Only God is worthy of worship. He is your creator. Who would be given, who would you give your consideration to? The one who built the car, not the one who built the bicycle. Uh, The car builder knows every detail of the car. The bicycle person, he knows every detail of the bike, but he doesn't know the details of the car. Paul knows every detail of his creation. So who is the creator of whatever is created, which is Allah on the high scale? This is who we put our complete trust. And not only do we put our trust, confidence. Let's add that word, confidence, because trust and confidence causes the individual to relax, be more at peace. And the more at peace we are, the more healthier we're going to be because we're not stressed. Our lives are not stressed. You know, we don't have to go to when we go to the doctor and get our heart, our pressure taken. You know, we have a good reporting for the doctor because we are not experiencing trust. So we put our trust and confidence in God and God alone. Seek the aid of Allah is to seek his guidance. This is the book. In it is guidance, sure, without doubt. See, that's a that's another stress reliever. And once we start reading the Quran, not just reading, picking up the Quran and just reading a few words, but trying to make some sense out of it and 
feeling the presence of God in his word. And we say that this is the book, and it is guiding sure without doubt to those who have taqwa. See, this is the state of the heart. If the heart is right, then we know that there's no doubt. But if the heart is wrong, then we become doubtful. Why? Because Satan whispers into the heart doubt. Waswaswisu whispers, and then he withdraws himself right into the heart. And uh, this is what creates doubt. So Quran, a reading of the Quran, a, a worship, a charity, all of these beautiful things that God gives us, it strengthens the heart. It puts a barrier around the heart to protect our heart from doubts from the exterior world, exterior world of Satan. Satan, Satan is always trying to confuse. Actually, when you can divide something, you can confuse the issue. But if you can see God's world or his universe as one universe, then he tells you that this is the book and it is guiding sure without doubt because there's only one reality. And that's the reality of God. Show us the straight way. This is the book, and it is guidance sure without doubt. <clears throat> guidance, leadership, advice, or assistance. The Holy Quran, the Word of God, is your leadership. If you're looking for a leader, I suggest you get you a Holy Quran, because this is the Word of God, and the Word of God is your leader. He said, well, what about the imam? What about the sheikh? The sheikh or the imam is bringing you or should be bringing you to your leader. And what is your leader? The Holy Quran, the word of God. That's the leadership. Because there's no leader for a Muslim who speaks outside of the Holy Quran. Uh, your advice, your assistance, your aid leading you on the path towards excellence, the excellence of your human nature. And this is what imams or leaders in Islam, teachers, instructors, or sheikhs, or whatever description we want to give, aiding us, assisting us, because the imam, quite naturally, he should be the most learned amongst the Muslims, and the Muslims select him to be the leader. Just like a person, if he's in the jungle, who are you going to pick? The guy from New York, live on 42nd Street and Lenox Avenue or Lexington Avenue? No, you're going to pick the person who knows how to get around in the forest. He's the best from amongst you in the forest. So you choose him. If you want to get out of the other side, then quite naturally you take the person who best knows the forest. If you're in New York, then quite naturally you get the guy who knows the subway system. You don't get a guy who lives in the jungle, just the number two train to Brooklyn, he'll never get you there. So it's in Islam, you find person who knows the most with the best character, and that person becomes the leader. And what is he leading you to? Not to him. He's leading you or guiding you in the Quran or with the Qur'an, to your excellence, your excellence, the excellence of your human nature. 
That's what he should be working on. Other than that, there's no purpose for him. And we shouldn't waste our time with people who are taking us in some direction that doesn't address this. You can do that by yourself. Some of the things I see imams do, you can do that by yourself. You can go on a corner and get a pimp or a hustler to give you that kind of information. Because if you're not leading a person in the direction or assisting him or advising that individual or aiding that individual towards his excellence, then it's basically the same thing. It's just street life. You can find that on yourself. Just like uh, Moses was telling his people. He was giving them all of the things that they needed in the wilderness, and they were asking for other things. They wanted some garlic and onions and things of that nature. And he told them, he said, well, if that's all you're looking for, you can go any time and find that. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to give you that. I'm here to give you advice, assistance, and aid to lead you to your human excellence. And that's what this is all about. Don't religion is not we have a we have a bad perception in these United States. False ideas about God, about the devil, about yourself, etc. We've we've been we've been groomed in that from children. Not only not only the ignorant masses of the people, all of us. Bad, poor perception of what God wants for us. That's why every many many people that I've experienced in life as a religious person, a non-religious person, first thing they want to know is, what is my purpose on this earth? What am I here for? We should know that. We should have known that from children. We should have been raised in that. So our focus for is for God's work is really, really off. So once we come back to that, once God gives us the guidance, gives us the knowledge, gives us the strength, strength to bring us back to that, then we say, Alhamdulillah, Rabdillah, Alameen. Praise be to God. When one worships and seeks God's aid for right, he will then show him the straight path, the straight way. When one worships and seeks God's aid for for right, for the right way, then God will show him that straight path. He will guide us on the path. He will lead us on the path. He will advise us on the path, assist us on the path. And where does that come from? God doesn't come down or come here, wherever he is, and hold our hand and assist us. No, he puts knowledge or guidance in whoever he sees fit for that individual to guide you, to lead you, to advise you, to assist you. Sometimes it's called imam, and sometimes it's just called your friend. Hey, my friend, he told me something the other day. Oh, I met a stranger. Actually, I went to visit a brother in the hospital in the Bronx last week. And uh, there's a lot of hospitals in that area, big hospitals. And uh, I thought I had the right place. And I had to park my car a long way out of the way. 
I was walking back. And I said, well, it was a pretty good walk. And then there was a lady in a wheelchair. I had seen her earlier. And she said, are you visiting somebody? I said, yes. She said, there's the exit or the entrance right there. She asked me what hospital. I said, yes. But the sign didn't say the name of the hospital. So she said, there's it right there. So I, I wasn't too sure that she was right, but I asked somebody else. And then she said, yeah, this is it. Now I had to walk a couple of blocks out of my way. But she popped up, just popped up, and saved me. Said, there it is. And then she said, have a nice visit. And uh, she was a Christian woman. Did she tell me she was a Christian woman? No, I know Christian behavior. <laughs> and I thank God for her, and, uh, and I'm praying for her right now. And uh, God knows best. So these things happen, you know, guided on the path. We're on the path of right. I made up my mind in my heart and in my mind that I'm going to do the right thing. And then I, God sends me uh, someone to guide me on the path, to lead me on the path, to advise me on the path, to assist me on the path. And that's called Sarako Mustaki. Show me the straight path. Praise be to God. The path to human excellence, the path to your original nature. And you hear me say that a lot. And I say it a lot is because our leading Nawazi Muhammad taught us that. He taught us about the Kaaba, about the Black Stone, about the circuits that we make. And we're going to talk more about that next week. And uh, it shows us how all of these things are leading us back to our origin. And why is that necessary? You know, we're here on Earth. What is all of this? Uh, human origin and human nature going back. I thought we were already human. Descriptions in books say we're human. Remember that the world we are living in now, Allah to get you down all, he sent Satan along with us. Satan was in that picture too because Satan was challenging Adam. In paradise, it says, not up in the sky, but the state of mind. He was trying to take him out of his correct, original state of mind, and he was successful in influencing him. And then later, God said, get you down. Not because Satan or Adam had uh, given in to uh, Satan's tricks. No, that was the destiny of man anyway. Man was created for this purpose on earth. God was sending us to earth to test us and through that test to develop us. Now, Satan coming along meaning that Satan was also successful in pulling the human nature out of taking it away from mankind, taking him out of his human nature. And God gave him the time to do it. He said, respite granted. This is what he told Satan. He said, Satan said that I will prove to you that they are not worthy of that high position of ruler in the earth. Because he was a little arrogant. He thought that he should have that job. So God granted it to him. Well, God granted it to him for this reason, not to destroy man, but to quicken the pace or the growth and development of man back to his origin. Satan took the man out of his origin and now we see mankind coming back into his origin. In other words, 
this is the beginning of a new day. I see the the world is going to be destroyed, but not the way we were taught. There's not going to be any explosions. Quite nasty. we're going to have explosions, storms, and things of that nature. But those are only signs. See, because God is not going to destroy his world, the world hasn't been anything. What God is going to destroy is the world that man set up on earth. And man took man contrary or out of his nature and made him contrary to what God created. So God sends Quran, he sends us a prophet, he sends messengers to restore us back to our origin. See, when you see things like child molesters, drug dealers, murderers, prostitutes, homosexuals, men having sex with men, women having sex with women. Are these things natural? Of course not. Of course not. Far, far. Many, many unnatural things that we see on this planet Earth. You know, I was riding in the Bronx today, right outside of Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon and the Bronx connect. And I was leaving. Actually, it was Mount Vernon. It wasn't even the Bronx. And I saw a young kid in the area. They had cleaned that area out. It was heavy with prostitutes. But it really surprised me to see this young baby that was walking on the street. It was like 20-something degrees. New York, and she was trying to beckon people to get their attention to uh, sell her services. Now, is that natural? That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. But she she, she, she didn't have any pride. She didn't have any self-respect. And the people all around her didn't have any pride and self-respect because it was just business as usual. And we see this all over America, many places of America where the human being was taken out of his origin, his original nature, man putting drugs in his veins, alcohol in his body, fighting and murdering and killing, maiming and crippling. This is why God gave us the Quran. Do you think God would bring the Quran to the United States of America just for business as usual? What would be the sense in it? What would be the sense in studying the Quran and then get up and walk through a maze of madness and don't even say anything, don't even address it. No, he gave us the Quran, which is the light, to bring light to the world and teach the people out of those negative behaviors and bring them back to their original nature. Man, by design, respect women. By design, by the very nature that God created to show respect for women. And this society is designed to disrespect women. And quite uh, nasty God knows best. You know, I know we have another thing I'd like to speak about here, but I know we don't have time because I want to teach uh, a lot of information. I just think we'll just hold this until next week, and uh, this will be the conclusion maybe of the El Fatiha. Yeah, I think that's what we'll do. And uh yeah, we'll do that. We'll just hold hold this information for a couple of things. We have a few more minutes. A couple of things I'd like to introduce to kind of prepare us for 
next week. You know, as I mentioned, Imam Murthy Muhammad, you know, he's, he taught us, I mean, he's a, he's a master teacher. And remember, here's something that we have to understand that prior to his coming, his father is the Abu Raj Muhammad, and many of us know him as the leader of the nation of Islam. And, you know, many of us criticize him, too, because of his work. They say that he didn't bring Islam. He brought something else. It wasn't in line with the Quran and the tradition of Prophet Muhammad. But he never said he was bringing it back. He was bringing uh, a message to the black man in America. Because if you really, truly know the condition of the black man in America after slavery, then if you would have bought the Quran in the Sunnah, which is uh, in scientific order, <laughs> they would have never, we would have never understood that. So first of all, God permitted it. I know it wasn't right, but he allowed Ambalaj Muhammad, Farad Muhammad, to bring a complicated message for the Quran is concerned, a message that was designed to bring us out of mental darkness that uh, the uh, the, the shaitan had influence in this United States of America. The message to the black man to bring us out of mental darkness, the confusion that that false idea of Christianity put on the minds of African American people. That was his purpose. He he respected the Quran. He he never taught us from the Quran. He taught us from the Bible. And then he said that we should respect the Quran. And he said, after him, when somebody comes after him, they will be able to teach you the Quran. That's what he said. You know, I was there, and we didn't take. We wrapped our Quran up. We put it in a high place. We lost our hands, and he prepared us, preparing us with the principles of the religion. He was preparing us in many, many different ways with purity and cleanliness, and dressing up with a white shirt. The necktie, things that we didn't do before in the past. How to respect our women, <laughs> you know, how to eat decent foods, how to eat to live, uh, valuable uh, uh, economic system, all, many, many different kinds of things. And uh, we thank God for that. And then his son later came along, Imam Wazi Muhammad, and he brought us into the teachings of the Holy Quran and the example of Prophet Muhammad. Alhamdulillah. And many of his critics, which are African Americans, came from that same experience. If you lived in America, you came out of mental confusion. And some of them, when they went overseas, they studied from Arabs or Pakistanis or Africans in Africa. And then they came back and they criticized. And actually, if it wasn't for the teachings, of the Ambalaj Muhammad and Imam Wadi Muhammad, many of them would probably be out on the corner slinging drugs or whatever the case might be. And this is why the Quran teaches us to reverence the wombs that bore you. Reverence the wombs that bore you. And believe me, if you have any idea about Islam in these United States of America, it came from that beginning. The beginning is only a foundation that we're standing on. And at least if you don't accept it, don't criticize it. Because God is the best knower. Alhamdulillah. So next week we're going to talk about 
Uh, actually, there's a book uh, that I wanted to introduce to you, and I'll do that next week also, but it's called The Bible, the Quran, and Science. Uh, it's the Holy Scriptures Examined in the Light of Modern Knowledge. It's talking about science. And uh, Imam Wazi Muhammad brought us to that. Boy, I'm telling you, he really brought us in a short time, too. <laughs> See, because God don't just speak basic, you know, literal language. That's not God's way. God speaks in science. His whole universe is formed in science. And uh, that book is uh, authored by Maurice. I can't pronounce his last name, but it's B-U-C-A-I-L-L-E. Uh, I'll have a better pronunciation for you next week. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ascension, the seven steps into heaven, the ascension, the mithrod, uh seven disciplines, and the kava, and, you know, some other things, and the prayers that was given, the 50 prayers, and, you know, things of that nature. And we're going to a little more science, the science of that, and uh, quite nicely God knows best. So I thank you for being with us this week, and also, as I mentioned earlier, check out the archives to the program and uh, follow up. This is the fourth uh, part. You can go to one, two, and three and check those out also and uh, make some comments. Let me know what you think about it. And uh, quite nicely, we could do a better job the more input that we have and uh, pass it on. Let the people know what we're trying to accomplish. Just trying to keep us, our minds focused on what our religion is and also our study, develop a better study habit. And uh, we thank God for blessing us being here this evening. We pray for your health, the health of your family. We pray for your spiritual development. And may God, us, Allah, guide us on the right path. Thank you and peace.